And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Hello and welcome to the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast. I'm Dalton Sweat, sitting down with Chris Dukes, the publisher of Longhorn Maven. Chris, how's it been? Oh, it's been a busy week. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, honestly. <laughs> uh, I would say maybe the best week of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've heard from some other repeat re- reporters on the beat that, you know, this will be the coolest thing you do all year. And, mm-hmm. and I, I believe in it. I mean, I, 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 I'm excited to... Uh, to get down there and uh, and be a part of this atmosphere. Is this going to be your first OU Texas in person? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I went to the championship game last year, Okay, uh, but that was a Jerry World. I've never been to the Cotton Bowl. Oh, man. I've been to the State Fair almost while the, uh, the Texas OU game is going on, but I've never been to the actual game. I've just watched it on TV, and, but it, it, I, I, everything I understand is just nuts. I've actually been to the State Fair during the game. Uh, yeah. I interned with uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and uh, we, we put on an event outside. <clears throat> and typical, like an intern, I spent most of the time bussing tables and uh, <laughs> doing real good sports writer work. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been to the game, just never actually inside the Cotton Bowl. Eating it. some fried ice cream or whatever the heck else you could find over there at the... Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I did manage to, to, find a, to find a piece of fried... Uh, I think I had fried ice cream is what I had that uh-huh. time. Yeah. Uh, you can't go wrong it. with it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we really get into all of this, I've got uh, I've got a question for you. I need you to break some news for me. Um, I listened live to Tom Herman's press conference on what was that Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, listened live to it, and halfway through, somebody's phone rings. It's a reporter's phone ringing that is sitting in front of Tom Herman, and he answered the phone live on the radio. Whose phone was it? Can you- I, I honestly, that's something I should, I should, I wish I could tell you. Uh, <laughs> nobody fessed up to it. So it wasn't you. It was not me. No, no, no. <laughs> I wish it was. I, 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 I really do. I would have had him leave my outgoing voicemail for now. <laughs> I, 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 I was listening live whenever I heard it, and I thought, Chris is there. <laughs> I have his cell phone. I could call it right now. Maybe Tom Herman would answer. <laughs> I, I've got. I've, I've received phone calls and texts from friends, but I I am very careful. I leave my phone in airplane mode whenever I have it up there. Ah, uh, the yeah, just good because idea. it's just a it's an embarrassment waiting to happen. And he said the name of the caller, uh, the person calling in live on the radio. I don't yeah. remember what it was, but um, he asked if he could answer it. Uh, somebody yelled from the audience, "No, don't answer it." And, and then, then, then he did anyway. and then yeah. he did anyway. He said he talked to some random person uh, on the phone, and uh, I think he said, uh, "Hello, this is Tom Herman. Uh, we're in the middle of a press conference. Do you think he can call you back?" Yeah. And then he goes, um, "I think he hung up on me." <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I I really feel that it just kind of goes to show you where where this team is right now. Yeah. They played some tough games, and they're they're a little looser than than you might expect for this time of year for this game. I think yeah. I think it's not necessarily – maybe you call it a quiet confidence. There's there's definitely not that big sheet of tension hanging over the week. Well, and OU Texas uh, game week always takes up, I mean, quite literally all the conversation, all the air. Um, and it's really, it's really difficult not to get overhyped about it. And I, I have to imagine as a player – it's really hard not to either be nervous or just too amped up for this ball game. There, there was a lot of talk uh, 
from from players and coaches alike this week about you know making sure try to flatten out some of those waves of momentum mm-hmm. if you can. I mean, it, you, it's it's impossible to to completely do, but I think trying to trying to level out the highs and the lows and and try to play with a somewhat even keel it it's uh it's a big part of this game and and a lot of times the more experienced team and the team that's able to do that is the team that ends up winning so we we're either even guilty ourselves here right now we have an intent on talking about the the Texas and West Virginia game and and we haven't even mentioned it once. We can't stop talking about Texas OU. I mean, it, it does. It just takes up all the breathing room, you know? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's the way it's been all week. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, Tom Herman's over here like, hey, we just went on the road and won a tough game. And, you know, he got, he got about – he didn't get his 24-hour rule that he, always, mm-hmm. uh, that he always claims that, you know, that he tries to give himself to enjoy the West Virginia win. Okay, well, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that West Virginia uh, ball game. You know, the last time we talked – I personally was very down on West Virginia. Uh, I can't have to say I, I talked about them in in very negative light. Uh, you were a little more rational with it, kind of right in the middle. Um, and a lot of people are looking kind of from or had my expectations going into this that West Virginia wasn't a very good ball club, and then they hung around. You know, they just kind of kept hanging around over and over and over again. Is there something to be nervous about that this team that you would expect the number eleven team in the country? to surpass relatively easily really made this a ball game last week. I think that right now in the Big 12, it's so hard to know where everybody is. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you saw Texas Tech get shellacked by Oklahoma and mm-hmm. then go out and beat an Oklahoma State team that a couple weeks ago, everybody in Austin that was at that game thought, man, this is probably the third best team in this conference. And, I mean, you know, they just got shellacked. I mean, just beaten up. Uh, then you have, you know, a West Virginia team that that has to go down to the wire with Kansas that, that gives Texas a really tough fight, and you kind of wonder, like you said, is this is this a, an indictment on the way Texas played, or is this an improvement from West Virginia? I mean, I think I think probably it's probably the answer's probably somewhere in the middle. Both these teams had two weeks to prepare. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you saw Texas come out a little a little sleepy from the bye, and West Virginia come out really amped up from their bye mm-hmm. and, and, and in front of their home crowd, and they got to see some early momentum. I, I think amped up is an understatement. I mean, uh, this was West Virginia crazy, and I say that meaning there's not a lot of crazy like West Virginia crazy. Um, you know, I, I had talked about not being too impressed with West, West Virginia coming into this ball game. I After the game, I really feel like this win for Texas is the type of win that a championship caliber team makes because I watched it going in that first I mean the, the what the fifth play of the game 44 yard touchdown for West Virginia you know almost two minutes in whatever it was uh, Texas comes back has a 16 play drive to go 50 yards so we're really they're not moving the ball and then they miss the field goal. And you think, oh, Lord, you're watching the clips on ESPN as it, you know, is uh, scrolling the, the stadium. And I'm thinking some, you know, drunk rednecks about to jump out on the field <laughs> and start beating people up. They were, I mean, the level of excitement was out of this world. Um, and then you, you, you look at it and, we, and uh, Adelia Dayaway gets that interception, you know, on the, I guess that'd be the second possession of the game for West Virginia. That quelled the momentum that looked like a tsunami coming in after the first touchdown and then a field goal. 
I, to me, a team that can take a lick like that, which they continue to play hard all the way through that first half and even beginning of the, of the third quarter, a team that can take that and still come out and look like they had a dominant, in-control victory, that's a championship-level team to me. That, that's what it looked like. You know, they, uh, the old Mike Tyson uh, the old Mike Tyson phrase, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Texas got punched in the mouth, and mm-hmm. they, they were still able to, I mean, probably wasn't the way they drew that game up, but they were able to uh, throw some counter punches, stay in that game. You talk about the, the, the uh, a day away interception. You know, that's the first interception he's ever had at any level of football in his entire career. <laughs> uh, Joseph Osai brought that up uh, during during a press a press meeting um, yeah. on Tuesday, first ever like high school. Yeah, man, I, I don't know if it goes back to Pee Wee, but first first since high school <laughs> at least. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of excitement for that. Uh, then then you get Ellinger coming, he comes out, ties the game up. Then you know they they had to hold off a couple of charges from from West Virginia. It wasn't yeah. like it was just once. West Virginia they came to play, and in the first half they they really. They really took it to Texas for a little while. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think your quote was dead on. Uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Mouth. That, that's that's what I saw. Texas adjusted, took a hit, and still did what they were supposed to do on Saturday. Um, and that's that's a sign of a championship team. I'm not sure at this point if we're talking Big Twelve championship or national championship. That's going to be up to them largely. Uh, this weekend, but uh, nonetheless, that's that's the, that's what I see from this team. It's 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 there for real. It's there for real, and and a lot of that goes back to leadership. Uh, coaching, I mean, coaching obviously is always going to be there wherever you've got a coach that's been as successful as as Tom Herman has in, in multiple spots. But when you talk about getting that from your players, like when you get when you get a Sam Ellinger or a Malcolm Roach or you know even some of the younger guys coming, I mean, coming through and. And keeping these, keeping that team on track and on pace like they did, uh, a, play, a player-led team uh, is the word that comes to mind, and they, they definitely looked like a player-led team mm-hmm. uh, when they needed to look like that uh, in, a, in a tough road game. That you know, last year, the year before, that that's probably a loss for Texas. To be yeah, honest. yeah, it, it, um, maybe maybe not last year. They had a couple wins where you could see some leadership coming through. Year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maryland, you and, know. And then uh, you go yeah. back, and then you can go back into the the, the strong era, and yeah, I, I yeah. can't see that. Well, you know, you talked about leadership, and and uh, I think it's just a, a season long theme. Sam Ellinger, uh, the leader of this team, uh, both statistically, uh, personality wise, and in whether or not Texas wins or loses a ball game. Uh, this to me looked like his worst performance of the season. And then I go back and look at the stats. He's got something like 230 yards passing, 30-some-odd yards, yards rushing, and four touchdowns and one interception, second interception of the year. His worst game of the season is not that far from Heisman-worthy. It, <laughs> like, it's, uh, it, you know, it's something something's to be said for where a player's floor is. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we probably seen close to his ceiling, you know, last year a couple times against Oklahoma, maybe this year even against... LSU. I mean, he was dropping dimes all over the field. Mm-hmm. But when you get to see when when a player can raise their floor up like that, that's uh, that that's taking a step towards becoming a really elite player. And I think that's where Ellinger's headed. I, I, I agree. Uh, it, we we've talked about him 
you know, obviously being a Heisman candidate, and it's going to take some some wins by the football team, no matter the performance, to get him back into the top three or four discussion for that. You know, he's kind of second tier, if you will, on the Heisman discussion, but, uh, you know, a, a big game against OU could certainly change that in a heartbeat. Um, but just watching him play this year, it's he, he's obviously the best quarterback Texas has had since Colt McCoy. I mean, it's the only thing you can you can really compare to, it, and it, it's different watching a football team that is is led is led like I said emotionally by its quarterback. Also, yeah, for sure, uh, he's an extension of that coaching staff. I actually had a radio interview earlier today, and where they asked me about his leadership, and that's really the best way to put it. I mean, he's he he can almost telepathically channel Tom Herman's wishes. <laughs> Whenever he's talking to that team in the huddle, when he's mm-hmm. meeting with the media, and when he's probably walking around on campus, I, I, those two guys are on the same same wavelength. It is very rare to see two guys just uh, vibing exactly alike you like you do with uh, Ellinger and Herman. You hear you hear you hear Herman's words come out of Ellinger's mouth on a regular basis, uh, and and not in like a this is what I have to say kind of way. More in like these two guys are just so in sync that yeah. they're they're thinking the same. He's not repeating a coach's platitudes. Right, they are on the same page. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's really obvious when you watch it when when you watch how they play and 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 talk. And, uh, but you know what? We've we've talked enough about West Virginia. That was last week. Texas is four and one. They kind of have a big deal coming up this week. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's yeah. the Red River Showdown, which I hate calling it. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Um, but you know the 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 showdown, if you will, is. In my opinion, the best rivalry in college football. I mean, you've got good ones. Don't get me wrong. You know, Michigan, Ohio State. You've, there's a lot of good ones out there. But this, this is a, this is a state rivalry over the Red River boundary, right? You know, fifty miles from the state line, and these two teams just hate each other. Oh, it it's it definitely all of those things, and and. Like you mentioned, the uh, the Red River Showdown. You know, bad corporate branding aside, this is still the best rivalry in in uh, in, in college football. It, it's better than the Red River rivalry, which nobody could say three times. Oh fast. yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they actually stole the showdown from the uh, from the UTA and M game. Uh, IMG College has the rights to both. I, I don't know why I know that, but uh, <laughs> interesting interesting tidbit. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, going back to this game, it, it is. These two teams, a lot of these players, a lot of these OU players played in Texas. A lot of them played in Oklahoma, which, I mean, both add different elements to the rivalry. You know, some of these yeah. kids played high school football together and against each other. And some of them just played uh, on the other side of the river and just grew up hating the team and the team that, uh, that, that shares a border with them, you know? Well, I've got a really important stat for you. Uh, okay. Overall series, 62 wins by Texas, 47 by OU, five ties. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all that matters, right? Uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you can predict everything that's going to happen from that. I'm sure. I'm sure those guys that played this game in, in 1908 are are, uh, are happy to know that they're contributing to to the analysis for, for hey, today's game. You know, all, all we know, Texas is winning. That's what matters. Okay. <laughs> I read a uh, I, I read an excerpt from the first time these two teams played, and in, in the sports story. It mentioned the ball fell into a a like a gutter, and the two teams it was out of bounds. But the two teams were playing so hard that they got into a fight in the gutter, 
<laughs> to, to retrieve the loose ball. It's yeah. uh, it, it, it clearly this this level of rivalry didn't just start today. <laughs> no, 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 it didn't. Um, and you're right. I, I do like the point that. I don't have the numbers, but something like a, a third or a half of, of OU's team came from Texas. You know, their football players, you know, started high school football in Texas um, before committing to OU. And uh, so they're traitors, you know, it's just that simple. <laughs> but nonetheless, you can see that that Texas sees this as a, as a, as a state rivalry over the Red River River, the Red River, um, and... OU, I'm I'm interested in that, into how they they their mindset is, you know, for the for this type of thing. A lot of those kids didn't get recruited by Texas, you yeah. know, and that's that, that you look. I mean, over the years, the, some of the guys that that have beaten Texas the most, you know, were guys that came in with a chip on their shoulder, and mm-hmm. and, and and always remembered the fact that they didn't get a scholarship offer from Texas. Prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah prove them wrong. Yeah, I get it. You know, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so uh, let's get into this uh, ball game a little bit. The most important thing to me before we get into, like, team breakdowns uh, for uh, Texas OU, the most important thing that I see in this ball game is that Texas has faced real competition. OSU is a strong team. West Virginia, they're 3-2 and two right now, and one of those losses was to Texas. They're, they they are a lot more solid football team than I personally thought a week ago. Uh, LSU is a great football team, a a potential national championship, you know, get into the playoffs caliber football team. Texas has been tested. Texas has been tested in West Virginia with all those redneck drunks <laughs> over there. They've blasting been on the their, road. Blasting their John Denver. And, uh... yeah. <laughs> I'll put them down every chance that I get. But, uh, I mean, they've been tested on the road in harsh environments. They've been tested against some of the best teams in this nation. And OU has played uh, Houston. Like, OU has played Tech. Um, I mean, Houston's probably legitimately the best team that o- OU has played this year, and they are quitting on their own season <laughs> because they're playing so bad. I mean, they've played nobody. I, I would I'd argue maybe Texas Tech's the best team they played just uh, just based on last week's results. Like yeah. I said, yeah, they're still there's still so much to shake out. But the fact is, you know, we go back to what what I said earlier and what we both kind of agreed on the. Uh, you know, the, the whole philosophy of everybody has a game plan to get punched in the mouth. Texas has been punched in the mouth a couple of times, and they've yeah. they've shown that, you know, they can they can recoup from that and they can recover. That's going to happen to Oklahoma at some point on Saturday, and we're going to find out a lot about the character of this team mm-hmm. and a lot about a lot about if if they can if they can go the distance. Yeah. If they if, if I mean they I don't think they've. Their starters haven't played a full game all year, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean it, it's going to be a test to their emotions, a test of their endurance, a test of their leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things that you already kind of have a pretty good idea of where Texas is on. You're going to find out where Oklahoma is as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Texas has been punched in the mouth, and OU has not this season. And we'll transition into some of our our, our player uh, analysis or position analysis with this. There is one guy over there that's been tested. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is man in the helm. How much do you think his experience in national championship games um, over at Alabama can help lead OU, lead a team that hasn't been tested this year, but keep them on the straight and narrow whenever they do get punched in the mouth? Well, I mean, if you listen to him after games, I mean, he, you talk, we talked earlier about how Sam Ellinger kind of 
channels Tom Herman sometimes. Jalen Hurts still channels Nick Saban on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> uh, a lot of his post-game uh, interviews, you know, you hear him talk about rat poison. and I mean, he, he, there's some Sabanisms that just come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Can't, we can't really even help it. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think he's an even-keeled guy who is probably, I mean, him personally, I don't see him getting caught up in, in too much in the emotion of this game. He said, he said earlier in the week a, kind of, a comment that kind of, upset some people I, I don't really know why it's true that he's played in the iron bowl you know he's played in championship games mm-hmm. he's played in he's played in playoff games he's played in national championship games mm-hmm. uh i i don't think that he's going to get caught up in that the question is as a leader can he lift the entire team to a point where they can all follow him i agree uh and and this will be this will be a huge test for that i mean i don't really question his ability to be a strong leader and exude what it takes to make it through a game like this. You know, you just listed, I don't know, seven, eight games that are probably bigger than a Texas OU game regular season that he's played in. You know, at least two national championships, yeah. right? And uh, two... Three playoff uh, games? Yeah. Well, and then you've also got the SEC championship and then the Iron Bowl, you yeah. know, which, you know, uh, while I believe this is a bigger game than, than an Iron Bowl... It kind of depends on the year. Yeah. You know, sometimes that, that Iron Bowl is a heck of a heck of a football game, too. Um, you know, no discredit over there. And so he, he, he's been in a lot of them. I'm just interested in, in how the rest of the team responds. Yeah, and I mean, we can't, we can't sit here and also say that this is a team that, you know, of, of guys that have never been in big games. I mean, you've got, you've got a lot of leadership on these teams that True. have played in playoff games and played in, in Big 12 championship games and yeah. played in this game. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of individual players that, that are going to be going into it for their first time. They're not all freshmen over there on the other side of the border. No, it, it turns out <laughs> it turns out that 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 team, uh, you know, there's 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 a reason that they're ranked at number six in the country. You know, yeah. <laughs> Funny you say that. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the the positions. We've talked a little bit about quarterback. Who do, the the question I keep hearing over and over again: Which team has a better quarterback right now? Oh, I'm going to cop out so hard on this one uh, <laughs> because I don't know the right answer. I, I think Oh, bull. I think, both, <laughs> oh, I think both quarterbacks have the right guy for their system. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then again, you can't say that Lincoln Riley couldn't turn Sam Ellinger into a Heisman winner because I think he's got the base talent to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I, I, I think Jalen Hurts this year – is putting up great numbers and his stats are amazing. Mm-hmm. Sam Ellinger's done it against better competition, and we've seen. It goes back to what we said earlier, you know, about the two teams where, you know, we've seen Sam Ellinger do it over against an LSU defense or, you know, on the road in a very hostile environment. Yeah, we've seen Jalen Hurts. I think the toughest. I mean, the 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 two road games they played is at UCLA and at. Uh, at uh, Kansas last week, and I, I I would probably put a pretty nice little bet that there were more OU fans in the stands for both of those games than than for the home team. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would say if you were grading the two quarterbacks right now uh, based on where they are, and you had to pick one, I would probably this is going to upset some people, but I'd probably still go with Jalen Hurts just because I the numbers that I've seen him put up, but ask me again Sunday. So 
And it would be very close, by the way. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not telling you uh, that this is a the 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 sole determining factor. But I, I got a question for you here. Statistically speaking, who's the worst starting quarterback in your opinion? Who do you think is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL right now? Um, I'm guessing probably either Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. I think it's a good debate between yeah. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray right now. Right. And I look at this and I think, you know, once again, NFL is a different story. This is college football where where leadership is different and game speed is different. But, man, those guys are sucking this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just not any good. <laughs> I've heard that, and, and some of it is just uh, with with Mayfield especially is the hype that he got coming into the season. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not – I mean, I'm going to sound like an apologist for these guys, but they're also both – neither of them has played – I think Mayfield started 10, 11, 12 games. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray started three. You know, I yeah. mean, those are young guys – well, uh, what I'm saying is maybe it's Lincoln Riley and it's not the quarterback. I Well, I mean, if you really wanted to say it's Lincoln Riley, look at what both those two guys did before Lincoln Riley and look at him after. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kyler Murray was a very, very average quarterback at A&M. Baker Mayfield... Uh, couldn't beat out, what was it, Davis Webb or was it Webb? Davis was Webb it and, and, and just... Pat Mahomes. The, well, I mean, he was... There, there's reason that... Pat Mahomes, we see, we 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 get it yeah. with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I I I think that he does a great. His systems do a great job of it, of pointing out players' strengths and masking some of their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think you're seeing it again this year with, with Jalen Hurts. Um, you're you're getting, you're, they're not doing all the same things they did with Baker. They're not doing all the same things they did with Kyler. They don't. They don't do all the same. They didn't do all the same things with Baker. They did with Kyler. Mm-hmm. You know, they he does a great job of of finding what guys do best and finding ways to put them in those situations. Well, I agree that um, you have to have a, a certain amount of talent. Obviously, that Lincoln Riley's doing an exceptional job with all of all of the the three OU quarterbacks. I think Tom Herman does a lot of the same. But when I look at base football talent, I think I see Sam Ellinger as a markedly better quarterback. I think he's got better arm strength. I think he's more accurate. Um, while Jalen Hurts is a bit of a better runner, um, he improvises his run a little bit more. I think if I needed to call on a quarterback run, I think I'd call on Sam. And, uh, you know, in terms of intangibles and leadership, I think both, both guys are quite top-notch. But um, I, I don't know how much fire Jalen Hurts has. I don't know if he's the guy that's going to grab somebody by a face mask, tell him to get up and get out there. Uh, and Sam Ellinger is. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, if I'm picking a captain, I think that's the way I'm leaning. I, I, I can, I can see where you're coming from there, and I, I'm, I'm just partially just taking the other side just to take it <laughs> because I think these guys are so close that I mean I don't think you, I, I don't think you could go wrong with either one. Yeah. Um, but. In if, if I were looking at, like you said, at, at intangibles, who can stand flat-footed and throw the, bar, the ball the farthest, I think that just doesn't matter as much in today's game as it used to. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you see guys with... Doesn't know, matter in college football very much, right. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you see guys with just barely serviceable arms putting up big numbers because mm-hmm. they know the system and they know their guys and, and they're, they get put into the right position. And and you know going back to what you said before, both both these teams have 
good offensive coaches that know how to bring the very best out of their out of their guys and make sure that they're putting them in the in, in a position to do what they can. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's move on from quarterback. Um, let's talk about just you know offensive playmakers here. First, would you give us a little update? You know, uh, there's a couple offensive guys that have question marks for Texas going in, into this week. Uh, update us on what you know about Keontae Ingram, Colin Johnson, Jordan Whittington. You know, tell, tell us the injury situation. So Whittington is a very – we'll start with bad news first. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Whittington is, is a highly doubtful player. Uh, they don't even know if he's going to make the trip. When did it become highly doubtful? Well, I, heard, I heard that the other day. It's, isn't it just questionable, doubtful? And then the coach says, highely questionable. Well, what do we, I, <laughs> I, I kind of I colored that one with highly on my own. <laughs> just because I, I kind of, I got the, uh, I, I, you can tell when Herman brings up a guy as questionable. Mm-hmm. Just by the way he says it. <laughs> I mean, he, he's probably not going to make it. Yeah. I think Whittington still needs a couple more weeks. You want to get that guy... That guy's he's Whittington's so young to to be dealing with these the sports hernia injuries. Mm-hmm. You want to get that guy one hundred percent healthy and get him back on the field. I mean, yeah, he's, and he's got a bright future. And there's a little chance there that you know a week here, a week there could preserve his red shirt. You know, I know that that he's probably a kid that leaves early anyways because he's just so athletic. But I mean, something to consider. And and there's something to be said for that. I I honestly think that whenever he gets healthy. I mean, if, if it's just going to depend on how many games are left, they're going to have to play him. I mean, yeah. he's 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 too much of a game changer. Uh, he he gives that backfield something it doesn't have right now with more true home run ability. I mean, you've got two very good backs, but I, I think, and this is considering nobody's seeing this guy play a real live college snap. I watched him. I watched him in high school enough. Trust oh. me. Uh, you know, I'm a, a Wimberley high school graduate. Yeah. We were in district with Quero, went to the st- state semifinals uh, versus him. I've seen plenty of Jordan Whittington. That kid is special. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a veteran of, of covering high school football in central Texas for, for 10 years. And, and he's, he's, he's in my top, top five players I've seen mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Uh, in, at the high school level, honestly, and, and that's saying a that lot. state champion. Okay, we're gonna have to stop bragging about Jordan Whittington. But <laughs> that state championship game this last year was it was crazy. But, oh, he was um, he wasn't just the best player on the field. He was one of the best you ever seen. Yeah, it was it, that simple. It, it, it was incredible. It was Ricky Williams, or no, it was Cedric Benson in the state championship. Yeah. You know when I, what was it? Five touchdowns rushing. I mean, it was one of those. Legendary high school performances, but anyway, I digress. Let's let's go in. You said you had the bad Jordan Whittington's not going to play. Yes. Well, how about some of the others? Okay. Uh, well, uh, Keontae Ingram is practicing this week. You know, it was it was a scary moment whenever he got hurt at West Virginia. It was scary, but he, there's no structural damage from it. I mean, as a stinger, uh, he's expected to be at full health. Um, I know you're not a doctor, but I was here with stingers. You got to worry about muscle weakness and stuff like that. Have they just flat cleared him? I, yeah, I mean, he's practicing this week. Okay. Uh, and, yes, I, 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 I'm I, not a doctor, and I think most doctors will tell you that every stinger is a unique experience yeah, yeah, anyway. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, if he's practicing, then they've cleared him. He's, he's good to go. Yes. And, and uh, as far as Colin Johnson goes, he is also practicing this week. They expect him to play. There's very – they said as long as things stay on track. So, I mean, it's high, I'll go with highly again. Highly cautious optimism. <laughs> He's highly probable for this game. Highly probable for this game. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start adding some uh some designations to 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 this list. 
we got we got to come up with some nuance to these uh, uh-huh. these injury reports. Well, and, it's not like they give you any info. I, I was reading some story out on the Athletic about the NFL um, that said you know they 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 don't designate injuries by what the injury is. They just tell you foot probable. Like right. it's just the, they just the injury is a body part. Yeah, knee lower questionable lower body. <laughs> lower I, I've seen body. that one before. Yeah, it's not like uh, they give you a lot of info. We do need to add some new designations. I like highly probable. We'll start with there. Uh, John Bianco <laughs> gave us an injury update. You know, the, the the Texas uh, Sports Information Director gave mm-hmm. us an injury update earlier this year after a practice, and somebody had somebody had twisted an ankle. He said so and so twisted an ankle. I don't want to say who because I, I can't remember and I don't want to get it wrong. So and so twisted an ankle, and and one of the reporters said, "Which ankle?" He said, "We don't hand out targets here." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Um, uh, and then, so Colin Johnson is looking like a he's got a shot to play. Uh, to me, that's most of the offensive injuries that I've heard about. Is there anybody I'm forgetting on the offensive side of the ball? Oh, let me think. I, I believe you. I think you got them all. Okay. Um, so we, we're hoping Colin Johnson is back and stretch the field. Uh, Jordan Winting's, Whittington's not. Uh, Duvernay just blowing up this year. Uh, he, he hasn't had a bad game yet. If you've got Johnson over the top and Duvernay in the slot, um, Roshan Johnson looked excellent. He is really starting to, to fill into to his shoes as a running back. I think him and Keontae Ingram can be a, a great one-two punch back and forth. The position players for Texas, the skill position players for, for Texas, are starting to look like pretty big weapons. They they are. Uh and and you mentioned mentioned the receiving core. The fact that they've done what they have without Colin Johnson for the most part this year. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, just imagine whenever you put a guy that that's that's gonna that could have been, I mean, still probably should be in the Bolitnikov conversation by the end of the season, you put him back over there as your featured guy, and everybody's got to start bracketing coverage towards him. I mean, they're, they're teams... I don't think they can. I honestly think they have to take out Duvernay at this point. Until Colin Johnson can prove he goes over the top, and I know they're going to want to, they've got they've got to dedicate a, a safety help, something, uh, an extra linebacker to, to Duvernay, you know? I, I, I would have to say so, too, and I don't think a linebacker... If there are maybe there a are, zone underneath yeah. something like that, right. take a, take yeah, a yeah. crossing take, take away some of those yeah. some of those some of those those intermediate throws. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he is so good at finding holes in those zones. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's a he's a senior, and he plays like a senior. He runs routes like a senior. You know, he he knows how to adjust his route, where to break it off, where how to get open. You know, it's it's a it's not as easy of a skill as it sounds. Whenever. <laughs> When, when guys first come in, but he, he's definitely figuring out ways to find holes in defenses. Who's the better running back on Saturday, Roshan Johnson or Keontae Ingram? I, man, Keontae is probably a better running back, I, I think, skill-wise still. I, I, but I think we've seen Roshan Johnson has been more consistent this year. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Ingram has a higher ceiling. And I think if you can get him going, get him some momentum, then he he could be the. I mean, he should be the better running back. He's got more experience. He knows the. I mean, he's been playing at the position longer. He's that's where he's naturally been playing his whole life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've got a Roshan Johnson who's just just a great athlete that he's been able to make some plays. And I mean, he's clearly doing doing all the fundamentals right, or he wouldn't be out there. But uh, I think he's still relying a lot on athleticism and you know God given ability. Compared to 
compared to an Ingram who who has the experience. I I, I would go with Ingram. Plant a foot and cut and you know yeah. how to set up a block, all that stuff. All that stuff that comes with you know playing the position as long as as long as he has. Uh, but I would go with I'd, I'd say Ingram's the more talented. But right now, if if I had to call on one of those guys on a on a third and one. I'm not 100% sure I wouldn't take Johnson just because he's been more consistent. Well, and, and he is bigger. You know, he's a, a, a little more of that physical specimen you were talking about. So third and one, I might agree. Um, I'm not so sure I agree uh, on regular gameplay. I think you're right uh, that we, while I may take Johnson on third and one, I'd probably go ahead and let Ingram take the, the majority of the duties still. Um, I, I think I think they've got to make an effort, even if, even if, you're struggling early on with him. They've got to make an effort to get him some touches in this game. I, I think, I think get him more than I think. From what I've seen out of him so far in his career, he's a guy who gets better with more carries anyway. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get him into a rhythm. Get him, get him five or six carries in, in the first quarter. Let him get a feel and let the game slow down for him a little bit. So um, we've talked a little bit about Texas playmakers. Uh, OU is not deficient in playmakers. I guess you really got to start with. You got a couple of capable guys. Yeah, maybe a few guys who can run down the field, <laughs> catch a football, something like that. Uh, where else do you start but CD Lamb? Uh, I mean, we, we were joking early on. You know, how, how, how strong of a year has CD Lamb had before we, we, we came on here? And go and pull up his stats. He's got seven touchdowns. Seven. They're not even playing full time. Yeah. You know, this isn't a four quarter game for CD Lamb most of, throughout the year. Seven touchdowns on eighteen receptions. Almost every other catch goes for a touchdown. Twenty four point four yards a catch. Uh, this guy's. I mean, he's he is impressive. He he's probably the best wide receiver in the conference. Maybe two names. Maybe go Tylen on. Wallace or Colin yeah, Johnson. Exactly. Maybe two names in that discussion, two or three. Um, but I think he's on the list of best in the country. He's I, I'll tell you, uh seeing him at Big Twelve Media Day, there's 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 a few guys that you see that you're like, holy crap, that guy just looks different. Yeah. He's one of those guys, man. He is a he looks like an NFL player. <laughs> <laughs> he I I, I don't want to butcher and say how much he weighs but he, there's no way he weighs less than 220 pounds i mean of he's pure listed muscle. listed 61191 there's there's no way he's under 200 pounds <laughs> i'm just saying I, 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 we know those are not always accurate but yeah. that's what he's listed at <laughs> yeah maybe maybe he skipped a couple meals that day but <laughs> yeah i i just don't see how he's under 200 pounds I, I mean seeing him in person that that guy is physically impressive and so hard to tackle in the open field uh the Texas, uh, I mean, I know we're going to get into this later on, but the Texas, the Texas secondary, they're going to have to, they're going to have to make sure that guy can't just beat them at will. I mean, and that means maybe giving some opportunities to some other guys, but that's got to be your number one focus. Yeah. Um, who else in the receiving core do Texas fans need to watch out for? Uh, keep an eye on Charleston Rambo. Uh, you know, Texas high school football fans will probably remember him from a couple of years ago. Had a, had a nice run through the playoffs. Uh, just another guy that's got he, he's not as fast as 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 Marquise Brown was last year, mm-hmm. but most people without a stopwatch won't be able to tell a difference. Yeah. You know? Fast enough. Yeah. Fast enough to play that position that Riley wants him to play, where I mean he's stretching the field and mm-hmm. he's gonna challenge he's gonna challenge your, your your corners, he's gonna challenge your safeties. 
this is going to be one of those hard hat days for a group that got some confidence back last week with the three interceptions or four, three interceptions by the secondary one by the, you know, the linebacker. But uh, if they aren't as good as the LSU guys were, I mean, they're both, it's one A and one B between those two receiving cores. And we all saw what, what LSU did here in Austin a couple a few weeks back. How about uh, running backs? We've got uh, Ramon J. Stevenson, uh, Trey Sermon, both pretty consistently. And then you you have to throw in Jalen Hurts in, into the running game at least a little bit. He's uh, leading the team in rushing. Well, I mean that's what you can't leave, you, you can't you can't have a running back conversation without talking about Jalen Hurts. Also, um, what what do those guys bring to the table? Uh, well, Stevenson's a you know a JUCO guy that that came came on the scene. This year started off as really kind of your your third option behind behind Sermon and uh, and Brooks, who both you know both of are I think well Brooks is a second year guy, Sermon's a third year guy. You know those are your experienced guys, uh, but Stevenson kind of came on the on the scene and he's kind of carved out some meaningful carries just by I mean playing so well in garbage time. I mean, he's second on the team in rushing right now. Kennedy Brooks is another guy that, that we didn't get a chance to mention because he, he was hurt last week. They're expecting him back this week. Uh, but he's a guy that he's more of their home run threat. Stevenson and, and Sermon are, are kind of your power guys. I mean, they're both capable of breaking off long runs too. But uh, just a just a really solid and deep core of running backs. I, I, think, I don't think you've got your first round NFL talent in any of those three guys. But I think two of those three guys will be playing significant snaps on Sunday. In, in three or four years. So let's go with uh, keep it simple, keep it quick, out of the skill position playmaking core. Who do you got, Texas or OU? Who's better? I, I, I'd probably go with OU on that one just because they've got a deeper – they're deeper at running back. They've – I think receiver – I think receiver for receiver, you can probably throw that either way. But I think I think the running backs tips it – Tips it towards Oklahoma. I think they're deeper, more experienced at running back, and you know they've got guys that have played some big time games and taken some big time snaps. All right, so uh, you one of the big stories, offensive line. Uh, Texas has, is is showing. Excuse me, <clears throat> but um, Texas is showing that they have one of the better offensive lines that Texas has had in a decade, give or take. You know, maybe one. This looks like a talented crew. It really does. You know, uh, outside of uh, Connor Williams, who the heck was the last Texas uh, lineman that was drafted? I, I mean, do we have to go back to Casey Stuttered or something like that a decade yeah. ago? Yeah. I don't know. Guy who's making delicious barbecue around here now. <laughs> yeah, well, just, I, mean, <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't have the answer off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while since there was a lot of talent on that offensive line, and uh, I think we're starting to see that right now for, for Texas. And it just so happens that OU lost. It looks like has lost both their tackles, left tackle and right tackle, um, may or may not play in this game. That, highly this questionable. Could, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where your highly questionable yeah. came from. Um, but uh, that's that's huge. I oh. mean, that that is a big disparity here. And and it's I I can't tell you the last time that. You would really feel that Texas had the better offensive line going into this game. It, it definitely hasn't been in the last three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and these are the games that are won in the trenches. Uh, you've got to feel really good about what Texas is doing. 
their continuity is really what stands out. I mean, they've got they've got guys that know where they're supposed to be. They've got guys that know how to pick up blitzes. They've got guys that know who to go block down on whenever there's, they're uncovered on a run play. They've got guys that know to go and steal a second level block whenever they get a chance. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of little a lot of little things that Texas is doing really well right now, and and they're not getting beat consistently, and they're keeping they're keeping uh, keeping Ellinger's field of vision clean. Yeah, I, I think it's probably the most lopsided position versus position disparity in this entire game. Because you talked about it, wide receivers are, are comparable. Running backs lean a little one way. We've we've had a discussion on quarterbacks that you argued one, I argued the other. This is this is the biggest check mark in the box for UT in this ball game. I think. It's really, to me, what what this game is going to come down to is can Texas use four guys and get pressure, get into the Oklahoma backfield on run plays, you know, cause penetration on run plays with Keandre Coburn mm-hmm. and and uh, Malcolm Roach and some of those guys, Taquan Graham. Can they get penetration and can they get after a quarterback without having to bring pressure from all over the field? So I, I, I actually have the exact opposite opinion. I wonder, because the two tackles are out, do you send pressure just to exploit their weakness? You know, is this the time that you say, we're coming at you and Jalen Hurts, you're going to have a second or less to make your decision or get out of the box because we're bringing a house at you? Um, I I, I, I wonder about being the aggressive side of that. I think that there will be some of that too, but I think because you've got got young guys on the backside that that are playing in – that are playing in some of them for their second, third time ever. Uh, you you have a chance because you have talented defensive linemen to take a little pressure off of those guys. I mean, if you can rush four and drop seven, and you get you can make Jalen Hurts throw the ball within four seconds, you all of a sudden start to start to get a little advantage where you probably don't have an advantage on the other. Like, you know, if, if you're blitzing and, and he makes that hot read, this is a, still a quarterback that's, you know, played a lot of football. And he's a guy that's that's seen a lot of blitzes. He's seen, he's seen SEC team, yeah. SEC defenses. He's seen complicated stuff. I think, I mean, and, and I think there's going to be a mixture of both. Todd Orlando's not going to drop seven on every play. That's not his style. Well, and if he does, <laughs> is one of those guys going to be a spy? I, I think you have to spy. I think you exactly. have to spy Jalen Hurts. I agree. It's it, it it's uh, maybe it's not a blitzer. Maybe it's a guy that's literally just mimicking Hurts wherever he goes. And you've seen it. You saw it some last year when in the first three quarters of of that of that first game, mm-hmm. where they would mimic Kyler Murray and then come. You yeah. know, you know, watch him. Make sure he's not taking off running. Make sure it's not a designed run, and then come after him. You know? See, it doesn't matter. You could put the best athlete on Texas. Uh, spying it, offense or defense, spying Kyler Murray, and you're not keeping up with him. You can keep up with Jalen Hurts. Who do you think on defense, Texas says it's your job? You make sure he doesn't cross that line. I think it's I think it's Joseph Osai. Okay. I think that's the guy that I I think he's the key player in general for for this Texas defense in this game mm-hmm. because he is so versatile and he can do so many different things. They need him to do what Charles and Minahu did to. Kyler Murray last year, like I said, through those first three quarters, where you just make life difficult on him, and you've got a guy that can... He's, he can't... I mean, I, I think Hurts is a different kind of athlete. There's gonna, he's going to win some one-on-one battles 
and and you're gonna you need a guy who can who can win something for your side too and and stop him on a third and seven for four yards you know those are going to be the key situations and I think Osai is the guy maybe maybe you see Adelia Adelia come in and do it a little too uh, but I, I I to me Osai is your is your most dynamic defensive player right now and I think that he's the guy you want to match up with. Just to be as corny as I can be, by the time this goes live, we'll be a day away from watching a UT win, right? <laughs> uh, possibly. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what we we'll see what the uh, predictions say. There we go. So, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's move on. We've talked a little bit about the the defensive line there, and you and you got into some linebackers and whatnot. Um, what about this secondary? I mean, this is the most beat up group. They they talk about. Uh, an injury doesn't really impact a team very much. Even injuries um, that are spread out don't. But when you have injuries at the same position over and over again, you start running down to third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart. That's when you really see a strong impact on the performance. What is Texas looking at in this in terms of their secondary? I think they they're going to have to. Uh, the real positions that that are really concerning are the two corners. Even though you did get a big game out of Deshaun Jameson last week with the two interceptions, yeah, made a veteran move, you know, baited Austin Kendall into making a couple of throws. But there's a reason Austin Kendall is in is in uh, Morgantown and West Virginia is in Norman. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lincoln Riley had his pick between the two, and he yeah. clearly made his decision. Um, so I mean, you're going to get a more veteran quarterback. You're going to get more veteran wide receivers who know some little dirty tricks on how to get open. And these these two corners, and really three, because you'll probably see. You'll probably see Boyce, Jamison, and and uh, Anthony Cook all come in at different times, and you've got to find a way to get to to be able to be in the to, to be able to make it hard on Oklahoma at least. I mean, it, they're gonna they're gonna get some plays, they're gonna hit their plays, but you've got to be in the screen with them whenever when you see CD Land make a catch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be able to turn keep keep a twenty year old twenty yard get twenty yard catch from turning into a 51-yard touchdown. So we've talked quite a bit about um, the the position battles here. So let's just keep it a little bit short and just talk about the OU defense in general. You know, Texas has at least a talented defense. They haven't quite performed, I think, all the way up to their, their expectations, but most people would call them a good defense. I don't know that you've used the same term for OU. I, I think they're a much better defense than they were last year, and I think – a little better than last, I mean. Yeah, you know? well, that was it was a bad defense <laughs> last year, you know. Uh, but but this is a team that is at least they're attacking, they're they're lining up in the right place, you know. <laughs> I watched them. I watched last year that that game. There were several times where where guys were just left completely uncovered, and you're you're like, I don't understand what you were even trying to accomplish on that play. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I think there there is talent on that defense and. They've played well when they've been I, – I, I mean, they rank they've, – they've only allowed, I think, 18 third-down conversions this year, which is a big, a big talking point for this game. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I think they're in the top five in the country in third-down conversion percentage. Um, they're, 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 they're what you call a Big 12 defense. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're going to – There's only so much you can do against these offenses. Right. I mean, we're talking – you know, some of the best offenses, co- offensive coaches in the nation, and I, I don't care what level you're talking about, there's only so much you can do. If you go back to that Oklahoma State-Texas <clears throat> game and, and look at the way Texas played defense in that game, you, you, 
I think Oklahoma State had close to 500 yards of offense and 30 points, but they got they got a turnover. They they made Oklahoma State kick field goals. They got off the field on third downs when they needed to. Those are the, I mean that's that's really a defense has evolved in this conference particularly, and the team that can make those situational plays is probably going to be the team that wins this game. So I got a question for you. Did you know that besides Jalen Hurts, um, Sam Ellinger gave OU the biggest boost to their national championship odds this year? I, uh, I, I, I kind of want to hear where this one's going. So uh, I would call it, you know, three touchdowns, 300 yards in OU Texas and getting Mike Stoops fired last year. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest, that's the biggest help that, that anybody's given OU in a decade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody finally – somebody some, – it was almost a mercy killing getting – it was – that guy had been struggling to – I mean, it, it had been game Man. after game after game. It just, I mean, for a decade – and there were years that he had, you know, some, some decent talent over there. But, man, it, it's, you're right. As soon as he stepped out the door, OU's defense went up a notch. It's that simple. Yeah, and, and if you look at the difference just between the two the two performances, the the first one and then the the Big Twelve championship game, and Ruffin McNeil, you know, God bless his soul, was isn't, isn't a sharp defensive mind, but he at least had guys lining up where they're supposed to, and you know, <laughs> and uh, it showed. You know, Texas scored at will in the first game. They they were held to twenty seven in the second game. Mm-hmm. You know, the late interception. Uh, you know, Elliott still put up big numbers, and but. You know, you got to play a little more of that situational defense that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. All right, so I guess we're down towards the end. Um, you know, the it kind of stunned me when I looked at the the line on this. It was somewhere between nine and a half and eleven points favorite for for OU. I don't necessarily disagree that that Oklahoma's the the favorite, but I don't know that I'd go more than two and a half, three, five points. You you kind of mentioned seven or something like that, but. That 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 line seems off to me. It just seems off. It, I I question anybody being favored by double digits in this game Seriously. ever any year. Yeah, <laughs> one team's zero and five, and the other's five and zero. You, if you get if you get more than ten points, you usually want to take the the team with the the dog in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I said seven earlier. I I think that was probably. It's more rational than nine and a half in my book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, for, to me, what I look at and, and what, why I lean the way I do is I think this Texas team is going to look a lot different if these two teams play twice this year. You're going to see two completely different Texas teams as far as personnel, uh, guys that are going to be on the field. True. You, you're, you're going into this game with, you're going into this game with with almost like an arm tied behind your back without a Caden Stearns and, and uh, you know, your best cornerback. You're, you're yeah, I mean, who, who do you have that's going to have a chance at CeeDee Lamb? I, I think, I mean, they're going to have to line, they're going to have to line Jameson up over him, but they're going to have to bracket like crazy. I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to. Orlando's got his work cut out. Oh, for sure. There's going to yeah. be, I mean, I, you almost, you could, you could, shade Stearns towards him, which is what they've done in the past, but you can't do that because he's not out there, you know? I mean, uh, I, I think... I don't think anybody can cover him one-on-one, and they're going to they're gonna have to scheme their way out of that if they can. I, I, and, and I think kind of maybe what you did with Tyler Wallace, where he catches... If he catches five passes for 85 yards... You win the ballgame. You, you consider that a win. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, 
the, the difference between that Oklahoma State receiving core and this one is that, you know, the, the drop-off from Tylen Wallace to your second-best receiver is a lot farther than from CeeDee Lamb to a Charleston Rambo or, you know, some of those young guys who we didn't even talk about, you know, Jaden Hayes, Hazelwood or, yeah. you know, uh, Theo Weiss or... Well, I got a I got a feeling here. I, I know that the smart money leans leans towards uh, Oklahoma. I mean, there's a reason they're number six in the country in Texas. It's what eleven um, last couple weeks. Um, I, I know smart money leans towards Oklahoma. I think the nine and a half delta point line or the double digit line is ridiculous. Um, I don't think it's anywhere close. This is a rivalry game where you don't ever really know what's going to happen. Um, I, I you know. I'm not saying I'm a betting man, but I'm a betting man, and I'd take the nine and a half in a heartbeat <laughs> um, plus Texas. But I think I think this comes down to a three point game. I'm thinking something like, you know, um, 42-39, 45-42. I'm thinking it's a high scoring game, and it's close. And Dicker the kicker's out there with a shot to become a, a true Texas legend. You know, it, if he's not already. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that that nothing phases that kid. I talked to him on Tuesday. He's he's a character. Uh, yeah, really fun, really fun kid. But uh, I I think you could be right. I mean, this could be the type of game where it comes down to the team that holds the ball last. To me, like I said before, I think and 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 you know, ask me again in December because, like I said, I think these two teams play again. But right now, I would say I'm I I'm leaning the other direction. I'm I'm leaning towards Oklahoma just because I think they. Their que- I mean, their strengths line up with Texas's question marks better than Texas's strengths, you know, with with the receivers and and the d- defensive backs mm-hmm. more so than Texas's defensive line lines up with what Oklahoma is struggling at right now, which is offensive line. In- individual matchups, you think fall in the favor of you? I, I I just I don't think that they can trot out enough guys to cover those wide receivers long enough. I mean. We saw what the LSU guys did, and they were they were a lot closer to full strength in that game than they are now. All right, Chris, what's your Twitter handle? At Duke's Take, D-U-K-E-S-T-A-K-E. I just want to make sure everybody knows where to send the hate mail oh, yeah, whenever, can... whenever Texas wins next week. Oh, yeah, or rub <laughs> it in my face or, you know, do whatever do whatever it is you guys want to do. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, we, we've, uh, we, we've talked about it long enough. I, you know, I really appreciate you uh, coming and talking. We're here on the uh, Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven podcast. You know, you do have... Some new, uh, some new news for the site. The new website's up, kind of launched, running. Uh, what, what is uh, that web address once again? It is si.com slash college slash Texas. We are, uh, we are up and live, and we are officially part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Mm-hmm. And we've, you know, luckily it's brought in some, some fun reader conversations, some, guys, some people that maybe hadn't seen the site before. Come on in and talk a little football. Yeah. Tell me why I'm wrong. You know, come on, <laughs> into, come on into the comment section and, and, and give me – Give me, uh, give me the business if you want to. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what uh, sports talk is all about is is spouting your opinion from time to time, and uh, you can do that on Facebook, Sports Illustrated Longhorn Mavens Facebook. You can do that um, <clears throat> on their website, um, and uh, you know, just uh, once again, appreciate you stopping by uh, the podcast. And and thanks, thank you, thanks to you, Dalton. Uh, always always great to get to talk some some sports, and uh, had a great time. All right, and check us out. Uh, Sports Illustrated, that is uh, si.com slash college slash Texas. That is correct. And thank you guys very much. Have a great day.